Blog Talk Radio. talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. Of course, as always, you'll get a heavy dose of my opinion. You have an opinion number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pcan. Send messages to the show on Twitter at GoForGant. Also, you can send messages to the show on Facebook. Also, at Go For Again. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by former NBA players, Scott Pollard, and also Mo Ager. And Scott Pollard, recently on Survivor, booted off Survivor, as we all know. But he's going to be joining us, giving his take on the NBA playoffs and, and, and what happened with Survivor. Also, Mo Ager will be joining us. Maurice Ager will be joining us. He's going to talk about the NBA playoffs as well. But he's also a Grammy-nominated producer. So he played in the NBA, and now he's transitioned to uh, uh, music, and he's doing a good job of it. So we're going to talk to Maurice Ager and also Scott Pollard. So make sure you stick around for this great show. Let's get started now. Let's get right down to business. What we saw last night. Um, OKC, Golden State, obviously this has been such a great – it's been great, man. That, that, there's been some great basketball being played between these two teams. Unexpected in, a lot, unexpected in a lot of ways by what we're seeing. I mean, a lot of people didn't expect OKC to to dominate. I mean, they were up three games to one until last night. Now it's three games to two. But they, they've been in control of this series and dominated games three and four you know, basically blowing them out. Blowing them out and taking it to them. Westbrook taking it to them. Durant taking it to them. But last night the Warriors came back at home, which wasn't unexpected. Obviously, Golden State, you went 73 games. You're a 73-game winner for a reason. But you came back last night, Golden State, and, and they got production from their bench guys. Uh, Andrew Bogut finally showed up. Most Spates gave them some big-time minutes off the bench, 14 points for most Spates off the bench for Golden State. He definitely gave them big-time production. He helped. Obviously, Andrew Bogut finally showed up in this series, made appearance in this series for the Golden State Warriors. He scored 15 points last night and was productive for GSW. And I look at what I saw last night. Even though Golden State won that game, I walk away from that game, and, I'm, and if I'm OKC, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I feel good about what we did last night. I mean, you didn't play your best game. Durant got off with 40, but that was from that was 12 for 31 from the field, so it wasn't that great. And Westbrook struggled mightily, 11 for 28 from the field. So you're too big, you're two big players, you're two superstars, you're two studs, 
last night, they struggled, and they struggled mightily, at least from the field. I mean, I wouldn't say maybe mightily is a little bit of a stretch, but they struggled. And, you know, the thing about it is Andre Roberson, who was giving his team some big-time games in games three and four, you know, he didn't bring it the way he brought it in games three and four. And, you know, that might be a byproduct of him being on the road because, as we all know, with role players, if you don't know, now you know. When it comes to role players, they do their thing at home. When role players are at home, they're confident, they're, 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 they're comfortable, and they make plays. Role players make plays and do big things on the home court. And that's what happened with Golden State last night. Your role players stepped up. Bogut stepped up on the home court. Uh, Spates stepped up on your home court. Your role players stepped up. And now, and here's the thing with Golden State. You take this thing one day at a time. Steph Curry got back on the good foot last night with 31 points. I mean, he he played well. Clay Thompson struggled a little bit, but he ended up with 27. And Dr- Draymond Green, we we Draymond gave us a little bit of a pulse last night. Unlike games three and four, where Draymond was awful, he, he was awful. I mean, what four points in game four? I mean, excuse me, six points in game four and six points in game three. So he was he was awful in, in games three and game four. Awful. But I, I, I look at what's going on now with this particular series, and I don't think it's going back to Oracle. I think OKC is going to approach game six as it's game, like it's game seven, the same way they did against the San Antonio Spurs when they came out early on the Spurs, beat up the Spurs, and ultimately won the game. And they, that's what they got to do. If they, want to, if they want to win the series, because the reality is, you can't be in a situation now where you're going and going to Oracle, a place that Golden State's lost two times in the regular season, three times including the playoffs. Of course, Golden uh, OKC was the team that beat them, but you can't expect to go into Oracle in a Game Seven situation and expect to beat the Golden State Warriors. I mean, you're you're it's possible. I mean, but you, you are you, can you beat the Golden State Warriors twice on their home court? That's a tall, tall order. Not impossible, but a tall order. So you have to look at game number six and treat game number six as it's game number seven because that's in – your building. And you got to treat it as such. Because the energy that your home crowd give, has given you throughout games three and four has been great. And you look at games three and four, and it was, as I was watching games three and four in that particular series, I just kept looking at and just looking at the energy of OKC, and I'm like, their energy looks, their energy is off the chart. Their energy is off the charts. So, I look at the energy that Golden State brought in game five. It was a lot different than what we saw in game three and four. But I was impressed more so with OKC because 
what Golden what we saw from Golden State was expected, but OKC went into Game Five and played Game Five like they wanted it and like they wanted no parts of taking it back and going back to Oracle or going back to OKC, going back to Oklahoma City, Chesapeake Bay Arena. They, they, they wanted no Chesapeake Bank Arena or whatever, but they wanted no part of that, and it showed last night. They just didn't have enough. Just didn't have enough. So now it's going to come down to what we see in game number six. Okay, to me, game six is a must-win for OKC. I know it's a must-win for, obviously, for Golden State because they lose, they go home. But it's a must-win for uh, Oklahoma City. You cannot, and I repeat, you cannot go back to Oracle for a game seven. If you do, you're asking for trouble. And if you do, you're probably not going to the NBA Finals. I think they get it done in game six. I, again, I just like the energy that OKC has. I, I, I Golden State played better, but I, I've seen them better. And, and I think when we, go, when we take this thing back to Oklahoma City, they're going to approach it like it's a game seven. And I think they approach game five the, the same type of way. They really came out looking to get that victory. I'm Billy Donovan. I'm Mo Cheeks. I'm, I'm everybody with the Oklahoma City organization. I'm Durant and I'm Westbrook. I, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling pretty good about what can happen moving forward. I, I feel really, really good. We'll see now. We'll see what happens in game number six. Whatever happens, it's been very fun, man. Absolutely fun. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Artist, music producer, and former NBA player Maurice Ager. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but it doesn't mean anything in the playoffs, time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw uh, you. you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. <laughs> we see what you can do. We've seen it. <laughs> I would never bring my wife around you. I yeah, just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all. <laughs> That's not Rocky. <laughs> That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're Thank you. very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> so- and we're back. Go for it. BlogTalkRadio.com. Talking sports. Having fun doing it. We're about to bring in a guy now. Uh, you know, who knows a little bit about the NBA playoffs? We're going to bring him in, get his thoughts on what's been going on in these NBA playoffs, and let's bring him in. This guy has, you know, played in the NBA. Now he's transitioned to music and doing big things in the music. Had a Grammy-nominated song. So this man is doing big things. Let's bring him in now. Former NBA player, now music producer, artist, 
Maurice Ager. Maurice. Yo, 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 what it do, man? Thanks for having me, brother. No problem. Thanks for joining us. No doubt, man. It's all is good. Let's get right down to it, man. And and, and last night, Golden State got on the good foot. They got the victory. And, and now the, the, the series shifts back to Oklahoma City. The way I look at the game is even though Golden State won, I like the energy, energy that OKC had. And if I'm Oklahoma City, I'm feeling good about myself going into game six. How do you view it? Yeah, man. Um, honestly, I, I think they should feel good, man. You know, they went in there and, um, you know, they lost, but they didn't get blown out like, you know, prior games. So, um, I think they're feeling good about themselves, man. They're, they're feeling confident. They feel like they've, um, they got Golden State on the hills a little bit. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm pulling for Oklahoma City. You know, I would like to see KD and Westbrook win a championship before it's all said and done. And, uh, man, I'm glad they're playing, playing ball, man. They're, they're not backing down. Uh, Westbrook is, you know, playing at the top of this game, and, and KD's playing well. So I just think, man, I, I don't know. Man. I, just, I, I think that uh, OK City might take it out, uh, take it home. So are, are you surprised by what's happening in this particular series? We know Golden State won 73 games. Are, are you surprised by what, we, what we're seeing in this particular series? No, nah, I'm not surprised, man. I mean, at the end of the day, man, you can't count out, you know, KD and Westbrook. They're still two of the top players in the world. And, um, you know, Oklahoma, you know, they're a great team. Uh, they really come come together. Um, you know, they beat a great um, San Antonio Spurs team, so I'm sure that gave them plenty of confidence going into this series. And uh, ultimately, man, you know, you know, those guys don't want to back down to those guys no more, man. You know, I'm sure Westbrook is sick of um, Curry getting all the glory. And, uh, you know, he's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to put pressure on him. So, you know, we're watching that happen. Let me ask you this. If you had the choice between Westbrook or Curry, who would you take? Uh, mm, that's difficult, man. And I, I mean, I like Westbrook because he's a dog. He's a dog. Um, that's difficult, man. Honestly, I, I really couldn't really pick one. But um, that's difficult, man. Cause I, I like them both, man. I like them both a lot, man. So right. I'm, I'm gonna have to, you know, go ahead and let that one pass, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you this: If you yeah. were starting a team, if 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 you were starting a team and you were the GM. Which one would you go with? I mean, you got a triple-double machine pretty much in Westbrook. <laughs> <laughs> you was asking the same as that question. Uh, I don't know. It's <laughs> difficult, man. You know, Westbrook is playing, you know, the way he's playing right now, you know, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, you got a guy like Steph Curry who's a great shooter, but, hey, I mean, there comes a time where, you know, um, people may learn how to guard that. And you got a guy like Westbrook who's just pretty much relentless. I mean, but at times, you know, he can be um, – can you know you can lose things with Westbrook as well, so it's, it's I don't know. I mean I don't know. I mean there's yeah that's a difficult one, man. So I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna let that one live. Well, well, at the end of the day, I mean you obviously can't go wrong with either of the two. So I mean Westbrook Curry, two of the top players in this league. Does Steph Curry look 100 percent to you? Uh, he does. I mean sometimes you really can't tell because you know he's such a I don't know, he's such a wizard with the ball, man. He can shoot the ball so well, man, and he makes it look so easy. Um, I mean, I, he looks healthy to me. I just think they're putting pressure on him, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it looks healthy to me as well. I mean, I, I, yeah. you know, you hear people talking about, you know, he's 70%, he's this, he's that. But we didn't hear this talk after what he did against the the Blazers in that particular game. And uh, was that game, game four, game five, one of those games. And then, you know, yeah. he, he scored 31 points last night, so – I mean, he's, yeah, I think he's, he's still good. getting it 
Yeah, definitely. There We're talking to go, former man. NBA player Mo Aker. And, and, and Mo, let me ask you this now. I mean, look, as as we move forward uh, through these playoffs, and, and hypothetically speaking, if Golden State if Golden State loses in this particular series, how do you view 73 wins? Oh, man, it's still the best season in history. I think it's wonderful, man. I think that, uh, you know, it's an accomplishment you can never take from them. You know, they say numbers don't lie. You know, they did what they had to do throughout the regular season. And uh, that's it. Hey, if they lose in the playoffs, hey, that's it. It is what it is. Um, obviously, you know, that, that 73 seasons, that 73 games winning season probably took a lot out of them. I mean, obviously. But, um, hey, man, you, can, you can't take that away from them. Um, it's an amazing accomplishment, bro. Does it take the luster off it a little bit? Uh yeah, I mean if you go on the stage for sure, <laughs> right? Yeah, I yeah. Mean, obviously. Let's, let's, if if we look at it this, let's just say hypothetically, OKC wins wins this series. They beat the Spurs, sixty seven win team. They beat Golden State, a seventy three win team. Is this the most impressive run by any team in the history of the league? I mean, obviously no team has ever beat a 73-win team in, in the playoffs. And you got San Antonio, obviously, they won 67 games. So how do you view this run if it ends in the championship for OKC? Hey, man, I think it's dope. <clears throat> I think it's something new. I think it's something that I would like to see happen. Um, you know, history is meant to be broken. History is meant to be made, <laughs> all in the same thing. So, Hey, man, NBA, NBA playoffs is almost like the NCAA tournament, man. You know, you get that Cinderella team, you just never know. So I just think it's a, it's a magical thing, man. I think KD and, and Westbrook, man, those guys, man, they've been working together for so long, man. They've been, man, they've been playing together since day one. So it would be dope yeah. to see them actually, you know, win one, man. I mean, I'm pulling for them. So I think it would be cool, man. You know, it's, it's it's a cool opportunity to see, you know, somebody outside of the Spurs and, and you know, and uh, I think it would be dope, man. Yeah, I mean, and, and and no offense to the Spurs, but they can be a little boring at times. And and you know, obviously, very much they, they won a lot of games over the years. But mm. yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, there's something I mean, about this. Go ahead, there's something about this OKC team, man. That 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 I'm latching on to. I mean, it's I, it's the Westbrook swagger. It's I, there's something about that team I like, I, and I think it's the Westbrook swagger. I just the, the way he comes at it, the way he goes at it, man. I mean, it's just it's it's, it's you gotta love it. You know what I think it helped too, man, along the way is um, I think KD uh, went ahead and just took the back seat a little bit because I don't think Westbrook was letting up on him. Just, you know, Westbrook wanted to be the guy so bad to where it's like, okay, man, how can we make this work? I think eventually, man, KD was like, man, you know what, I'm going to let you have it. If that's going to help us win and it's going to like kind of like, you know, uh, dissolve the friction between who's the franchise player, I'm going to let Westbrook have it because Westbrook had no plans of taking the back seat to KD. So, I think right now that that's that's what's really helping them, man. Westbrook feel like it's his team, so hey, you got it. KD like, all right, man, I score my little twenty five, twenty six, and you can do you. If it's gonna get us there, man, it's all good. Man. So it's it's all about sacrifice, and you know, at the end of the day, man, you know, those guys they're, they're starting to get it. You know, you can actually see it in press conferences as well. You know, um, he's sticking up for Westbrook now. You know, a lot of times Westbrook may may be a live wire, but KD stepped in there and like, nah, man, I, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and ask you this question and. Um, it's, it's actually cool to see, man, because, you know, these guys have been working together for so long, man. You know, you kind of pull for them. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I would like to see them get it done. Let me ask you this now. Going out to the Eastern Conference now, Raptors, Cavaliers, is it done? Do the Cavaliers get it done tonight and, and move on? Yeah, I think it's a wrap, man. I think they need to go ahead and take care of the business and get the boys out of there. <laughs> <laughs> 
Although I like what Toronto did, man. You know, I, I like I like Zach, man. Like Kyle Lowry, those guys are tough, man. They they took care of their business, man. But you know, man, hey, I, I'd rather see LeBron in the final still. You know, what I'm <laughs> like it's more exciting. You know? So at, at end of the day, who gets to the NBA Finals? Who who gets there? Uh, see, this will be okay seeing the Cavs, man. Okay, all right. Uh, so, so, rematch from a couple of years. Well, no, rematch with yeah. LeBron, of course. You know, they played Miami. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm pulling for OK, man. OK City. And I actually predicted it like you know, like a week or two ago. Like man, on my Instagram, I basically said, you know, I, I want to see the Thunder win one, man. You know, that's cool. Now moving forward, Ken. I mean, obviously, it, it, you know, we still have to see some things happen. But Cavaliers, Thunder, how do you like that matchup? Man, that's a great matchup, bro. Like, when you think about it across the board, man, it's like it's almost an even match to a certain degree. Uh, I think uh, Kyrie, of course, is, you know, he's going to do what he do, but uh, it might be a little bit outmatched there. I don't think he can keep up with Westbrook. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, you have guys – like, you know, Kevin Love may be an issue at times, but, you know, Ibaka, Serge Ibaka is good. You know, Adams is playing great. Um, you know, Jared Smith, Waiters, pretty even And right now, you know, when it comes to, like, you know, just the matchup. Mm-hmm. You got LeBron, KD, you already know what that is. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, they're not scared of them. I know that much. It's going to be fun. It's most definitely yeah. going to be fun. We're talking to we're talking to former NBA player Mo Egger. And, and, Mo, let me ask you this now, man. You're doing big things now in the music world. You got a Grammy nomination a few years back. You're still doing big things. Who is Mo Egger, the artist? Oh, man, Mo Egger, the artist, man. Man, that's a good question, man. It's just, man I would like to just define myself as just music, man. Um, I love making music. I love creating it. I love, you know, writing it. I love producing it. Uh, you know, it's just love when it comes to music. You know, that's something I love doing. It's a passion of mine. Um, I'm an independent artist, you know, which makes it pretty cool for me because I can make and create music whenever I feel. Um, I'm doing really well as an independent artist. You know, you might not necessarily know as much because I don't have that mainstream media push behind me, but, you know, I'm doing some cool things as an independent artist, man, and I've been able to work with some cool people, you know, some of the top, you know, producers and artists in the industry. But at the same time, maintain my um, my freedom musically. So um, I'm I'm having fun. I'm working on a new record now. Uh, you know, getting ready to release some singles pretty soon. Getting some videos done. Uh, yeah, man, we just having fun, man. Music is dope. Did you? If I would have told you ten years ago that in 2016 you'd be making music and, and music would be what you'd be doing, what would you have told me? Man, I would have been like, yo, that, that sounds about right. Uh, honestly, I didn't okay. think I was going to do it this early. You know, that was always my plan to make it to the NBA and eventually branch off and do music full-time. Um, I just so happened to leave a little a, a tad bit earlier than I thought I would, but, hey, man, I wouldn't change, change it for nothing. Uh, yeah, it, it was a part of the plan, but, hey, you know, yeah, we here. <laughs> <laughs> music or basketball, yeah. what is your number one love? Uh, I mean, music. I mean, music is, is who I am, man. I think basketball is something I did. You know, I love basketball. Okay. I believe it was a great platform for me to actually get myself, you know, to a position to help my family. You know, and um, you know, it was a dream come true. Don't get it twisted. It was a dream come true to play in the NBA. You know, playing, you know, 
and and the NCAA, you know, make it to the Final Four and do some cool things there. Um, but, you know, all in all, man, music is something that, you know, I can hold on to for the rest of my life. Play ball for, you know, how long, you know, <laughs> before it's over. You know, right. I can be involved with music my whole entire life. So it's just, the music is just a part of me, man. I don't even separate, my, separate myself from what music is from me and music, man. It's like, it, it's just it's a way of life for me. But, you know, I love basketball, man. It's like I still have basketball programs. I have a basketball enrichment program called the Moego Hoop School that's doing really well. Um, you know, we do after-school programs. We do clinics. We do uh, individual individual elite basketball training. Um, you know, it's my way of giving back. Uh, I use it as a platform to, you know, serve the youth, serve the community. And uh, it's, it's great, man. You know, basketball is always going to be one of those things that um, helps me get in the doors and do certain things. I'm actually hooping in summer for the um, Champions League. You know, it's a new ESPN. Okay. Well, it's sponsored okay. by ESPN. And uh, it's all former NBA players. You know, I'm actually, I was actually talking to Josh Howard earlier. He's playing. Uh, uh, I know Steve Francis is playing. playing uh, here at Gilbert Arenas. Uh, shoot. You know, there's a bunch of NBA former guys. You know, we're going to go out there and just play this summer. We're going to play 14 games, you know, in 16 different cities. And uh, it should be fun, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it because I get a chance to go out there and just hoop, man, and just play ball and not necessarily worry about the, the politics, the money, and nothing like that, man. We're actually going out there to play for the play for the people and play for ourselves, man, without that necessary politics and the hoopla, you know, that we used to have to deal with, you know, growing up, you know, and just right. family and friends and fake people coming around, man. It feels good to go out there and just, just play ball and just have a good time, you dig? Is that the hardest part, man? The fake people coming around, you know, the, your your second cousin slash whatever from whoever coming at you. All these different people coming at you. Was was, was that kind of the hardest part? Yeah, man. It took the love out of it, man. It, it definitely took the love out of it because you know you you don't you you know it gets to a point where you're not necessarily playing the game because you love it no more because you're like, oh man, you know, I gotta have at least eighteen a night for people to actually be satisfied with me and. You know what I'm saying? You get those text messages like, damn, dog, you could have at least had 22, 23, man. If you could have got to the line more and all this dumb shit, man. It just, it, after a while, it just gets old. It got old for me because, you know, I'm I'm just who I am. And it's like I love doing things for the love of it. And, um, and you know, it just kind of took took away the essence. And, um, and you know, and when I decided to leave basketball, so did, so did some of those people. So it's just I'm actually, I'm actually in a really peaceful place in my life now, man. Um I've been able to eliminate, you know, certain things that wasn't necessarily serving me no more, you know what I mean, along those lines. So it's dope, man. So to get back into it, and and it's easy now, you know. I already know people will be hitting you up like, hey, what's up, man? Like, look, man, I'm doing me, man, and uh, and, this, and, this, and uh, you can stay where you at, man. But it, it is difficult, man, and there's a lot of us that deal with those certain things. Some people want to deal with it. I didn't. So it was that's just the difference. So let me ask you this. So you felt like you didn't want to do it. Do you feel like if you still had the love for the game that maybe you could have held on a little longer? Uh, I don't think I lost love for basketball. I lost love for what everything that came with it. Yeah. yeah, and I, I just feel like I, I didn't have to do it. You know, I feel like I had other skills. I feel like I was – I feel like I'm wise. I feel like um, God put me on this place, this planet, to do much more than just play basketball. And I knew that, and I know that. And uh, there's a lot of guys who playing who's playing ball now who don't feel that way, and um, that's highly unfortunate because you know that's a trap in itself. So for me, I never felt like, oh man, if I don't play ball no more, it's a wrap. I didn't. I never felt that way. I'm like, look, man, I got music, I got my mind, I got all of these other cool things that I can do in life, and I'm, I, I want to go off and do it. But um, of course, I mean, I can go back and play right now if I really wanted to do that. But if, 
you know, I'm just so happy being free, man. I'm happy being able to travel the world and go speak and touch lives and do some of the things that I'm doing now, man. It just, I don't know, it just kind of blows certain things off the water when it comes to just having that freedom, man, to be able to get a call one day like, hey, man, we need you over here for for a week, you know, to speak to some kids. I'm there. Nothing's holding me back from doing that. So it's not necessarily as much as me trying to hold on and try to, nah, I mean, I just have a choice. I didn't, I wasn't injured, you know what I'm saying? There's nothing like it was going on with me. It was just, I was ready to do more with my life, bro. Right. That's cool, man. That's cool. I mean, other than like dealing with family and all that other stuff, what's 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 the what's another big drawback about being an NBA player? Um, part of the drawback, um, I guess time. I mean, I don't know. I mean, okay. our time is of an essence, man. I feel like you know that's what we really get paid for. Um, I feel like you do lose a lot of time because, uh, you know, you're spending so much time on one thing. Uh, I feel like, you know, a lot of players don't get a chance to grow as individuals because, you know, their their whole life is based around basketball and pleasing the coach, pleasing the family, you know what I mean, taking care of their family. Um, you never really get a chance to um, work on self de- self-development, and I feel like that's really important. I think that's the reason why a lot of our guys struggle when they leave the NBA because they never really spend time on getting to know who they were. You know, they know themselves as basketball players. They never learn to know themselves as something other than what they are. You know what I mean? I tell people all the time, man, you play basketball. That's what you do. That's not who you are. So who are you? And um, most guys can't answer that question, bro. It's sad because, you know, you start playing ball at six, seven years old, and uh, you play all the way to 37, 38, and then you, shit, and you done missed out on a, a great portion of your life of getting to know who you are. And um, that's kind of the downside of, side, side of it. Um, you know, a lot of guys tend to struggle with that, you know what I mean? And some guys get it early on, and, um, you know, they learn people, people skills while they're in the NBA. They learn how to network. They learn how to um, treat treat themselves and treat others. And um, a lot of guys never necessarily learn those skills, and they struggle in the real world. And um, I'm thankful that I, I got a chance to learn some of these things, you know, at an early age. You know, that's why the NBA right. brings me back now. You know, I go back to speak to the guys and, and help them, you know, prep themselves for transition into life. Uh, you know, because the real world is a lot different from just running around playing basketball all day. Because uh, it, it just it just is, man. People treat you different. The women treat you differently. Um, you know, <laughs> your 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 CPA treats you differently. Your family treats you differently. You know, once you decide you want to put that ball up to the real world, they damn near think you're dead. So it's just right. like, <laughs> so for me, man, I had to reinvent myself on so many levels. You know, I had to reeducate myself. I had to learn how to take care of my own bills. I had to learn how to deal with people on a regular basis. I had to learn these things, and these are things our guys are not learning. So um, that's the biggest downside, man. I mean, it's, I mean, it's just shit life. Like Kobe writing to Kobe, what, 37, 36, 37? Yeah, 30, um, and 37. Yeah, I mean, people look at him like, oh, yeah, Kobe's life is over. But, and all actually, man, he's a extremely young man in the real world. So um, yeah. people's perception, man, is a beast, man, because they, they look at you, play ball your whole life, and, and that's what they look at you as. You, you become a product. They almost forget that you're a real person. So uh, that's the, one of the biggest challenges, you know. Um, you know, you deal with people all the time, and you know they never want to let you go from what they know you from. It's like to this day, I I retired from basketball in 2010. People still like, damn, why you why you quit hoops? I'm like, man, I, I, was, I technically haven't played a pro game since 2010. So it's like people. <laughs> Still don't want to let that go, 
although I've done some wonderful things off the court. You did what I'm saying? It's like I've been able to right. um, reinvent myself and add value to myself outside of basketball. But, you know, the the, the unconscious mind, you know, they're they're always, you know, you know, caught up on what, you know, they know you from uh, on top of, you know, everything else. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a struggle at times, but, man, I'm good. Man, I'm doing really well for myself, and I'm thankful that I was able to um, make that transition. You did. Definitely, definitely. He's doing a big, you know, great job uh, of making that transition from the NBA. So now, obviously, the music is what you're doing. You know, you're, you're doing basketball camps. You're out there speaking to kids. What else is going on? Is that everything? Man, that's it. Man, you know that's what? Uh, I'm attaching, attaching myself to different causes right now. You know, I attach myself to a, um, uh, the Jam Foundation, which is an asthma awareness uh, foundation group. You know, I played ball my whole life for asthma, so right now, you know, I'm helping them actually raise awareness around the world and basically, you know, inspiring people to, you know, continue to live their life, even though, although they may have asthma. You know, I did it. Um, uh, of course, I'm doing the Champions League this summer. Um, you know, of course, I'm working on music. You know, I'm speaking all over uh, to different technology companies, uh, corporations, schools, Man, you name it. Wherever I'm needed, man. Wherever God needs me to be, man. That's why I'm at spreading the word, man. Trying to inspire people, and um, that's it, man. Other than that, man, I'm living my life, enjoying myself. You know, I'm beaching. Uh, you know, I'll be at the beach. You know what I'm saying? It's like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm having fun. I'm enjoying myself, man. <laughs> yeah, 32 years old. I mean, you might as well enjoy yourself. This is the time to enjoy yourself. You know what I mean? And then you're most definitely doing it. So this summer, when you play in the Champions League. What can we expect out of you? What, what kind of what can we expect? Oh, man, we get buckets. Man, we'll go out there and have fun, get buckets. You know what I mean? Win some games. You dig what I'm saying? It's like you know, ain't nothing changed. You know, I'm in great shape. I'm in cool shape. So, uh, hey, go out there and hoop, man. I mean, I, I know how to put the ball in the basket. That never changed. So, you can expect that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know? so, so before we get out of here. You know, you obviously you played in the league for a long time. You've been around five years. I mean, that's a long time because not everybody can play in the NBA. But you've been in the NBA. Mm -hmm. You've been to a lot of different places. You've seen a lot of different things in the league. You, you, what, what's the craziest thing you saw in the NBA? What's the craziest thing you've seen? Man, um, I probably can't talk about it on air, but uh. Craziest, some of the craziest things I've seen on like on the court or just like in in general. In general, <sighs> man, man, you know what? I don't want to necessarily get into like cause that. Would be pretty much like kind of rated R or like triple X. But <laughs> one of the craziest things I saw was like just the, the work ethic of Dirk. Man, Dirk's work ethic, the work ethic was uh, was off the charts. Man, I had the opportunity to like. I thought I worked hard, man, until I, like, you know, seen Dirk. Uh, man, that man would be in the gym morning, noon, and night, man. He would fly his, his shooting coach over from Germany, man. He'd be in there just, just before games, after games. Just It was insane, man. Dirk was one of the hardest workers I've ever seen in my life. And um, I'm really proud of him, man. I'm happy that he was able to win the championship. Um, yeah, man, but, you know, I, I done seen some things, man. I, I, I heard Kobe Bryant talk to refs all type of ways and not get texts. Um, yeah, it, it was fun, man. <laughs> but half of the stuff I can't, you know, I can't even talk about on here, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, all right. Fair enough, fair enough, mm-hmm. man. So, so fans, 
make sure you support this man. Hit this man up on Twitter at Mo Eager. Support all the great things going on with Mo Eager and support all the you know, he's got some music out here. Support that. You know what I mean? He's doing some big things in the community. Support that. And he's gonna be playing some basketball in the Champions League this summer. So support that as well. So hit him up Moegger dot com. I mean excuse me, at Moegger on Twitter and just support all the great things going on with Mo Eger. Anything else? Uh, man, that's it, man. I think we good, man. You already, you know, gave him the Twitter, the Instagram. So we should be good money, man. Stay tuned, man. I'm always on Twitter doing some random stuff, man. So, you know, hit me up. I'm always hitting people back. Yeah, have a good time on Twitter. So follow my Twitter, M-O-E-A-G-E-R, man. Stay tuned for some of the new music. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, man, we winning. For sure, man. Appreciate it. All day, man. Much love. No doubt. Take care. Let's do it again. Mo Ager former NBA star, uh, played in the league for about five years. Pleasure talking to him. Um, you know, getting his insight on the NBA playoffs. You always like to get insight of a guy who's who's played in the NBA, a guy who's who's seen the NBA play in the playoffs. You always want to see that. You always want to get that insight. So it was a pleasure talking to him. And so, you know, obviously he's kind of rooting for OKC. You know, I, I'm rooting for OKC. And we'll see if OKC gets it done. It should be fun. Tomorrow's going to be great. Tomorrow's going to be crazy. But you've got to approach that thing like it's game seven. And I think they will approach it like it's game seven. And tonight you got Cavaliers, Toronto. Here's the thing. Even if Toronto wins tonight, I think based off their performances on the road, I think it's fair to say at this point in time that – it's that even if they win tonight, they really don't have a shot at winning this particular series. They just don't have a shot. I mean, they're not good enough on the road to win this particular series. They have to win on the road, and they're not good enough to do it. And they're just not. I think we've seen enough. I mean, they've been blown out each and every time. They played Cleveland in Cleveland. I mean, it really wasn't a game. I mean, it was, those games were awful. I mean, that game last night or two nights ago was over by what? By the second quarter, pretty much halftime, it was a done deal. So, to me, this series doesn't have – obviously, it doesn't have as much intrigue as the series out west. But this series, to me, is kind of like a foregone conclusion. Like, I think it's safe to say that the Cavaliers are going to win this series, whether it's in six or seven. The Cavaliers are going to win. And I don't think seven is going to be very close. I don't think so. Tonight will be close. But seven won't be close. Won't. Just won't. Can't be. Not good enough. Lowry's game doesn't travel. DeRozan doesn't travel. The game doesn't travel, but I mean, it's it's a foregone conclusion. Just to to it's going to foregone conclusion. You look at game one, they won by one, thirty-one points. I mean, game two, both obviously in Cleveland, they won by nineteen. And and so and then you know, last what two nights ago, that game was was a done deal, was a wrap. Sooner than later. And, you know, they blow them out again. One by what? 22, 38 points. 
So beat them by 19, beat them by 38, beat them by like 20 plus. It, it, it's been pretty much uh, uh, just a. Uh, it's just been ridiculous what we've seen. It's just been ridiculous in what we've seen in terms of what the, they've done to um, uh, Toronto and Chicago and Cleveland. Excuse me. I mean, and, and I just—it's done. It, it's pretty much done. It's series is over. Again, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing Toronto Dwayne Casey take that to seven because I think that's a good story. I mean, I, I, you like that Toronto team with their two guards, you know. You you got you got to like those two guards and 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 uh, Lowry and and DeRozan. But I mean, I, I just feel like at this point in time, I, I feel like at this point in time, the series over, and LeBron is going to get back again, and again to the NBA Finals, and so. That, that to me is crazy. Like LeBron, all these different finalists. Those are gonna be seven straight final appearances. Like that's 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 big time. That's big time. I don't care. I mean, who you are, seven straight NBA Finals appearances is getting it done. Now, obviously, it's not to. I mean, obviously, it's not the type of run that we've seen out of OKC because OKC, quite frankly, they're going through the gauntlet, 67 and then 73. Like, no one goes through that, no one. I mean, they're, they're, obviously, there's never been a team that's done it. Obviously, no, there's never been a team that's beaten a team with 73 wins. Never has it been done. So for, for a team like OKC to go through this and go through the gauntlet like that is absolutely positively impressive. It's impressive. And so I look at this. And I'm like, if, wow, wow. But I can't wait, man. I can't. I, you know, I don't want to look. You know, just well, I am. I mean, reality is, who cares what happens? Not who cares, but the reality is, Toronto can't beat, cannot beat, cannot beat, cannot. And I reiterate, it cannot beat the Cavaliers four times. Might be able to beat them three, but it can't beat them four. Won't happen. Will not happen. Just not good enough. Just not. And I, I'm, you know, I'm sticking in the NBA. According to reports, the Philadelphia 76ers are looking to explore possibly trading Noel, Nerlens Noel, or Jalil Okafor. And, and to me, I think it's a, I think one of them has to go. I don't think you can keep both of them. I, I think it's, we saw them together. They weren't really impressive. And obviously the Philadelphia 76 as a whole weren't impressive, but they weren't meant to be impressive. They were meant to lose. But those two guys together, Okafor and Noel, I mean, you, you got Embiid coming, uh, hopefully coming back. He's expected to come back. You got Sarge that's out there who's coming back, 3-4 type guy. You got Simmons probably who you're probably going to draft. You're going to have to make a move. It's just not enough minutes. It's just not enough. It's just not enough for all three of those guys to play. So somebody's got to go. And to me, if I'm the Philadelphia 76ers, Jalil Okafor is the guy that I get rid of. I mean, 
obviously Jaleel Okafor has had an impressive rookie season. He's had an impressive rookie season, and and he was it was he was good. He he was good this year for as a rookie. I mean, 17 points per game. He really played well. He really played well. Is he a defensive guy? No, he's not going to give you much on the defensive end. I mean, is he a rebounder? Not a big time rebounder. Only seven boards per game, and you know you you should get around seven boards a game at least as a power forward in this or slash center in this league. But defensively, not that great. I mean, to me, I look at Okafor, and I like his game, and but is he going to be any more to me than Al Jefferson? And that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing at all because Al Jefferson can put the ball in the basket, got post moves for days. He's big time. You know what I mean? But it, to me, it, if I can get better, and if there's moves out there that will make me better, I'm going to go with those moves that will make me better. I, I'm going to make with them. I'm going to those moves that make me better. And, and to me, the moves that will make me better it, maybe it's a draft pick that you get. You know, maybe it's something, you know, maybe Boston's throwing some things at you. Possibly maybe it's Boston. You look at what the Celtics, you talk to Boston, see if you like any other guys up there, up you know, high in the draft. You know, or maybe a player or two you like for Boston. But I, I think, you know, obviously Okafor has some moves. Like I said, he has moves for days in the post. He does. But I don't know how his ceiling, I don't, I don't know if he's going to get any better than what he is. And then I look at Noel, and I think Noel's the type of guy who does all the dirty work, uh, a type of guy who can rebound, block shots, get out, make – I mean, get get you some steals as well. He can do some things on the defensive end, Maryland's Noel. And if, if Embiid and, – and to me the key to this is Embiid. If Embiid can come back and, and, and you know, be healthy, and stay healthy and get on the court. And here's the thing, we've never seen him beat on the basketball court. So obviously there are questions. But if he can get on the basketball court, just looking at his possible skill set, he could be special. He could most definitely be special. I don't I don't love Okafor. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't love Jaleel Okafor. I don't love him. I don't. Uh, do I love Noel? I don't love Noel either, but I think Noel would be a guy that would be better suited for your basketball team because of his defensive prowess. But we'll see what the Philadelphia 76ers need do because they got a lot of needs. They got a lot of needs, but hopefully the first thing they do, being a lifelong Sixers fan, is go and get Ben Simmons, and we'll see what happens from there. We'll see what happens. Let's let's stay in the NBA again. And, and the Rockets and Mike D'Antoni are, are are coming together. And and I I don't know how any team at this point in time can bring Mike D'Antoni, Mike D'Antoni on as their head coach. I, I I don't think you didn't see enough in in New York. You didn't see enough with the Lakers to 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 understand and know that at this point in time, Mike D'Antoni is who he is. And again, he had a great run in Houston, not in Houston, in Phoenix, with Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire. He had a tremendous run. 
and you could argue that they were uh, what a few suspensions away from getting to the NBA Finals a few years back. But I, I, I look at this team, I look at the, the Houston Rockets, and, and I look at Mike D'Antoni, the coach, and I don't know how he gets this job. I, I really don't. And I don't know why Houston is going in this direction. I mean, maybe you team him with James Harden. James Harden can put the ball in the basket. And obviously Mike D'Antoni is known for his offense. But one thing that he's not known for is his defense. And, you know, if you can't stop anybody, how many games are you going to win? You might be fun to watch, but are you going to win a championship? Probably not. And, you know, there's been talks that, you know, Daryl Morey, the GM of the Rockets, likes Van Gundy, Jeff Van Gundy, and then you got talks, and then you got reports that he's being overruled by ownership, Leslie Alexander, who likes Dan Tony better. I don't know why. I, I don't know why after – I don't know what else you need to see from Mike D'Antoni to tell you that he is who he is. It might be fun. It might be pretty. But will it translate to championships? And I'm not going to – I'm not even saying this. You know, even with when it comes to Jeff Van Gundy, it never translated to championships, but he got close. He got close. Got to the NBA Finals. He at least got there. I mean, I, I think if I'm the Rockets, I'd rather have Van Gundy than, than Dan Tony. And to me, I think this also has to mean the end for Dwight Howard. I, I don't think, because you look at Dwight Howard and his time with, with Van Gundy, not Van Gundy, with Dan Tony, he wasn't happy in Los Angeles with Mike D'Antoni's system. He wasn't happy at all. And, and so I guess that means, Goodbye to Dwight Howard. That means he's he's most definitely going to opt out, but that probably means that Dwight Howard is probably going to take his services elsewhere. Some may say it's not a bad thing, but he's probably going to take his his services elsewhere. And now you got a piece missing there, and just Houston in general. You look at Houston this season; it just never went. It just never, ever, ever came together. It just just never came together. It just never materialized into anything. The chemistry with that team is just awful. You know, guys just didn't seem like they liked each other, and you had reports that Howard and Harden didn't necessarily like each other. So, it, you know, it's one thing to dislike people or your coworkers. It's another thing to have it show on the basketball court, and that's what happened. It showed on the basketball court that there was a dislike between Dwight Howard and uh, James Harden. And again, you don't have to be. It doesn't have to be kumbaya. You guys don't have to be the best friends, best of friends. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you know, you still, you still have to make it work. You still have to have the chemistry. Again, you don't have to like each other, but you got to have the chemistry. And Kobe and Shaq didn't like each other, but they worked. They made it work. And obviously, James Harden and and Dwight Howard. They're not Shaq and Kobe, but they made it work. They made it work. And so you got to give them Shaq and Kobe credit. But And we've been waiting. I mean, I'm, I'm a Dwight Howard guy. I'm a Dwight Howard guy. And and so, you know, I've always been a 
Well, I, I look at it this way. You know, over the past few years, Dwight Howard, it, it, it doesn't seem to come together. It hasn't seemed to come together for him. Didn't work out in L.A., hasn't worked out in Houston. Well, last year they got to the conference finals, but this year it just fell flat. But I just look at Dwight Howard and I look at, um, you know, what he did in Orlando and how he got the Magic to the NBA Finals. Uh, so, I, I mean, for, for that I was a Dwight Howard guy, but I think over the past few years the way it ended in Orlando wasn't a good look for him. The way it ended in Los Angeles wasn't a good look for him. And the way it might end in Houston is not a good look for him. So he's got, even as as, as good of a career that he's, you know, even as even though he's had a great career at this point in time, a very good career, he still has to prove himself, and is still proving himself, and is going to have to prove himself next season, whether he's in Houston, whether he's elsewhere. He's going to have to prove himself. And you wonder what kind of money is out there for the White Howard. Well, they're talking about what? Biombo, Bismack Biombo, what? $16, 17000000 million for uh, Biombo? And, you know, that that could be the market for him? For a guy that's had what? Had a few decent games? You're talking that kind of money for Bismack Biombo? And again, the, the, you know, obviously the salary structure in the NBA is not what it was. So it was a little, you know, sometimes you, you, you see those contracts and you're like, whoa. But you know that there's a lot of money out there. A lot of money out there with the TV money and everything that's out there. So, $17 million? Some talks possibly to Max for Bismack Biombo? Wow. I'm reading this article here, sportingnews.com. You got one Eastern Conference GM, quote, for someone like Biombo, I think when you look at a guy like Tyson Chandler and what he got for Phoenix last summer, which was four years, $52 million, that's where you start for a contract. Wow. But you factor in the cap spike, and it's probably going to be high. I'd say sixteen to seventeen million. It'll be heck of a seven. It, it it'll be a heck of a seventeen million per year gamble. You tell it's a gamble is right. That most definitely would be one heck of a seventeen million per year gamble. Bismack Biombo. I mean, he is only twenty three, so he's young. He's young. And so, there are some questions about his age. Some say, what, 23? Some say he possibly could be 27. Does look a little older, I must say. But my goodness. Wow. All that money for Bismack Biombo. And, and just based off what you're hearing with Toronto's cap, Obviously, they they may not be able to do both Biombo and um, Demar Derozan, and with already having Valachunas already on the mix, probably Biombo's probably going to be going anyway. But I, I look at Derozan like, do you do you give Derozan max money? But I think somebody's going to give him darn near max money. There's a lot of money out here in the NBA that could be could be grabbed by some players, and and so. We'll see who actually grabs his money, but Biombo's probably going to get it. He's probably going to get it. And so we'll see how much he actually does get. But he's getting it. Could be $17 million a year. Woo-wee. 
let's switch now now to to Baylor football and a huge huge shakeup. You know, our Bryles gone, well suspended, um, basically with the intent to terminate. So that means he's probably going to be fired. And and so this comes on this comes on the heels of a uh, of a report thrown out there about various sexual assault allegations made against students. Um, more more importantly, against several football players. Well, not more importantly, because obviously any type of sexual assault student or football player is awful. But in reference to Art Bryles, the amount of football players involved, you know, and, and what was done in terms of how it was possibly covered up or not really investigated and, and things of that nature. And it's it's, well, first and foremost, it's not surprising because this is big business. You know, big-time business. College football is a big-time business. And with that being said, you know, when 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 anything possibly can mess up the bottom line and mess up some things, it's going to get covered up. And so this is not necessarily surprising. It's unfortunate. It's sad that you let your players get away with, with doing bad things to women. You know, you, you know you're, you're bringing in guys who – who have checkered past, and they're coming in here and doing some unfortunate things, coming to Baylor and doing some unfortunate things to women. And that should never, ever, ever be tolerated by any institution. Any institution. It just can't. And so and you got you got victims speaking out, and it's crazy. And so all these things were going on. Baylor, you know, they knew about it, and they weren't really going hard after it. They really weren't going hard after it. And so, and and the thing about it is Baylor has, you know, made a huge, huge jump in terms of, of what they've done over the years in terms of wins and in terms of getting it done over these past few years. And so, you just look at it, and here's the thing. You look at it, and I think this is an interesting stat based off of how far Baylor has come, but that might be a byproduct of them taking chances on guys with checker passes. And, and so you look at from 1967 to 2008, all right, 2067 to 2008, Baylor's have 42 draft selections, all right, five first-round picks, and one top ten pick. From 2009 to 2016, well, they had eight draft selections, six first-round draft picks, and two top ten picks. And so that's, uh, you know, from 67 to 08, what is that? That's 41 years. And, you know, seven seasons, eight seasons, with Bryles, I mean, he's turned that whole thing around. Winning ten games or more, four of the past five seasons. Bryles was concerned with winning. He was concerned with winning. And so, when your concern is winning, you take chances on guys with, who, who have a checker past. You take chances. And so, this was obviously the right move, but do you 
Like we can look at our bridles and, and, and chastise him and, and come hard after him for what he's done. But the University of ba- Baylor University is concerned with wins and losses. They're not necessarily concerned about all the other stuff. They're not. They're not. Uh, uh, they're not. And so they're going to implement recommendations and all this other good stuff. But their concern is not, unfortunately, the women. They're not. Their concern was wins and losses. And when that's your concern and only your concern, well, sometimes you take chances and bring in guys who may not be the greatest of guys. And I'm all about giving guys second, third chances. I'm all about it. But it's just you just can't can't tolerate it. You just can't. Especially guys who are coming off second, third chances. Just cannot tolerate it. But we'll see what happens moving forward with Baylor. But obviously, Art Bryles is out of a job, going to be out of a job. And, you know, obviously, he's done a great job at Baylor on the field. But some, And maybe he's a scapegoat here on some level. Who knows? But this is amazing. Amazing. But not necessarily surprising. Not necessarily surprising. Amazing but not surprising. It's just not. Because cover-ups happen all the time. And when all this money is being made, things are going to get covered up. It just are. And it doesn't help. I mean, Art Bryles came in and, you know, he got RG3. That helped early in his career. That helped him. And RG3, you know, gave Baylor a lot of great, great things. Helped him get the, our Bryles get that ten year deal. Helped a lot. Helped a lot. But as a whole, you, you got to have control of your program. You got to have control of your program, and you got to realize and understand who you're bringing in. And when you're not handling sexual assault cases. You know, you're not handling these cases. You're not handling these sexual violence cases, and you're just passing them on and and, and not really going after it. Well, it's not a good look for you. And and it's all coming now to haunt Art Bryles. And now it's a done deal, pretty much, for Art Bryles at Baylor. Last half hour, go for it. Starts right now. hour of go for it starting right now in this last half hour we're going to be joined by former NBA player also a man who was on Survivor ultimately got voted off Scott Pollard will be joining us and we're going to get his thoughts on the NBA playoffs and, and 
you know, we talked to Scott Pollard yesterday, so we're, we're going to get his thoughts on the NBA playoffs, on his time on Survivor, and, you know, so, and his time with in the NBA, and, and we're going to ask him about game six of the 2002 NBA, uh, Western Conference Finals against the Los Angeles Lakers, a controversial game six, and, uh, you know, that, where all those calls, questionable calls were made. All those questionable calls were made. Before we get to Pollard, um, I wanted Draymond Green, he avoided suspension, and to me it was the right call. Do I think Draymond had some malicious intent? I do. But do I think it's something that you could justifiably say could have been uh, accidental? I think that as well. But I, I most definitely think Draymond, uh, he had some cruel intentions. He does have say he did have some cruel intentions in my opinion. I know he's had there's been video of him, you know, putting his leg in the air and things of that nature, but that you know, it's very high. Those legs were his leg was high. And at the end of the day, I mean, I think the league made the right call, but I also do believe that Draymond did it on purpose. But that's just my opinion. But I don't, I I think it was so close and quest that you can't necessarily suspend him. And so we'll see what happens moving forward. And hopefully for the Golden State Warriors' sake, Draymond can keep himself clean. Let's bring in Scott Pollard. Let's bring him in now, former NBA player, the one, the only, Scott Pollard. Scott, how are you? I am fantastic. I I am the one and the only, and I think uh, my mom's really glad about that. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. And, and Scott, you know, let's talk about these NBA playoffs now. You got – OKC and, and Golden State, you got the Thunder dominating that series at this point. And I, I look at this series, and I, when I look at OKC's roster, I see Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, and, and I look at those guys, and they're two top five players in the NBA. So at the end of the day, should we really be surprised by what's going on in this series at this point? Uh, a little bit. But, but let, let, let me tell you why we shouldn't be really surprised. But I'll tell you why we should be a little surprised first. The Warriors have demonstrated uh, last year and this year the ability to win under any circumstances and all circumstances. That is chemistry. That is a top talent roster from top to bottom. They get along, and it shows on and off the court. But the Thunder, coming from where they've come from, and, and, and Kevin Durant, I, I think they were kind of overdue to, to make this deep of a playoff run. I, I still hate that they gave away James Harden uh, to the Houston Rockets, but apparently there were some issues there. There had to have been. Otherwise, the three of them would be probably collecting their third or fourth ring at this point, I would right. think. Um, but I've been saying it for years. You need two all-stars, and you need a cast of role players that are happy with their role. And like I was saying about the Warriors, the Warriors demonstrated that game in and game out this season, obviously setting an NBA record in wins, that they can win under any circumstances. And it's because they have a, ca- a, a, a cast of characters that are willing to work together and only care about winning. Well, it looks like the Thunder have taken that lesson and they've capitalized on it to a, a higher degree for the highest stage in the NBA, which is the playoffs. And they're doing it, to, they're giving the business to the Warriors. And I, I'm a little surprised uh, at how they're handling the Warriors 
so easily. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's not over. It's not over. But uh, th- thus far, they are giving the Warriors a taste of their own medicine in the department of we don't care who scores, who plays more minutes or whatever. Our team is going to beat your team because we like each other and we're just about winning. Now, if the Warriors were to lose this particular series, how should history look at their 73 wins? Uh, it, it, it really doesn't mean – I saw a meme uh, on, on the Internet yesterday or, or this morning or something, and it was Jordan and Pippen laughing to each other. 73 and 9 don't mean a thing if you ain't got that ring. I'm sure everybody's seen it by now. And it's, it kind of it kind of rings true. I'm sorry. I, I, I was on a, a bunch of teams that – not a bunch, but I was on three or four different teams that had the best record in the NBA, and only one of them got a ring. And that's why I can't remember how many wins the other teams I was on. One of them got 61. Another one got 60. Another one got 55. Another one got uh, 61, I think, again. Uh, but they were different teams. One was Cleveland. One was uh, Indiana. One was the Sacramento Kings. And in Boston, we got 66 wins. I remember that one exactly because we got a ring to, chant, to, to cap it off. So I, I don't know how the Warriors – you can't take solace in that. Nothing really matters if you don't get the ring. It really it, – it's – you can be the best team in the league, and I've been part of it, like I said, uh, of, of the best record in the NBA, both in the Western Conference and in the Eastern Conference on different teams. And it's just – there's no going to home and telling your kids, well, we had the best record in the league that year. How'd you do in the playoffs? Oh, we got bounced in the Western Conference Finals. Ah, that, that, that's, the end. that's the beginning and the end of that conversation. For sure, for sure. We're talking to former NBA player Scott Pollard. And, and Scott, let me ask you this now. In my mind, I look at Russell Westbrook. He is the MVP of the playoffs. Scott, if you were a GM and you had an opportunity to pick Westbrook or Curry, who would you pick? I'm still taking Curry. Still. <laughs> uh, well, Russell, you said it, of the playoffs, uh, has been the MVP of the league, and I'm not going to argue that. But the, the Steph Curry has proven his entire career all he is, care, is concerned about is getting better and being coachable and being a great teammate and making his teammates better. I haven't seen that kind of behavior from Russell Westbrook. He is a dominant player. He is a wonderful offensive player, and he is amazing. I, I love his game, but I'm still, I'm still wanting – I'm selfish. I'm greedy. If I could have the best all-around player or the best offensive player, I'm taking the best all-around player, and I'm talking off the court too. doesn't have anybody ever saying anything bad about him. I want that guy. I still, I still go Steph, not just because – he obviously clearly makes his teammates better and wants to be a great teammate for those teammates, but he also is a great person off the court. He's wonderful to deal with. And, again, I don't know him very personally, but uh, I've never heard anybody say anything bad about him, and the NBA is a pretty small family. I would have heard some stuff by now. So, I mean, it's just it's – so is it for you, is it more character than talent at the end of the day when we talk about this argument? No, no, not at all. It's all about okay. talent in the NBA. But you're, you're comparing Russell Westbrook, who is talent, and I know certain things about him. I've heard certain things about him okay. uh, as a teammate and, and off the court. And I'm not saying he's a bad guy, not by any means, not, not by any stretch. All I'm saying is I can see in his game 
at times he gets selfish. At times he's more concerned about Russell Westbrook than he is about the Oklahoma City Thunder. I watch that myself. So nothing personal, nothing that I have heard about his off-the-court behavior has anything to do with this judgment. This judgment is all about talent, but if you're talking about all talent, everything is equal, which I still give Steph the nod in the talent department a little bit. But, uh, but as an all-around player, he makes his, Steph makes his teammates better. Russell has Kevin Durant to make his teammates better. Kevin Durant makes his teammates better, and Russell makes Kevin better because he takes so much pressure off of Kevin, and vice versa, of course. But Steph is a guy that works. He's first one in, last one to leave. You know, the old cliches, Steph's, Steph's checking all those boxes off. He's working harder than everybody else. He's more coachable than everybody else. He wants everybody to like him, and he's very likable. So he's checking off all those boxes, and Russell's checking off most of them, but just not all of them. It's not, not strictly about personality, but when you've got all that talent and they're very close in the talent department, then obviously personality kicks in and makes a, a little bit of a difference. Is Steph 100% your opinion? Uh, you mean physically? Yes. Oh, no. I don't think so. I don't notice anything. I don't. I'm not seeing any 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 hitches or giddy up, you know problems with his giddy up or anything like that. But I, I just I have so much faith in his work ethic and his heart and his ability to to make this series closer just because he's Steph that it seems like something's off with him. Yes. Okay. All right. So so let me ask you this now, Scott. I mean. We, we saw in this series, we had the situation with Draymond Green. You know, he's going up for a layup. He did a little kick to the to the mid, to the groin area of your son, Stephen Adams. But let me, let me ask you, <laughs> do you think Draymond should have been suspended? Suspended, no. But he should have been kicked out of that game. Um, okay. There, there's, there's incidental contact, and then there's, there's incidental contact that can really, really hurt somebody. He didn't have to follow through with that kick, and he did. I, I, I'll never believe that he didn't mean to follow through and kick him in the groin like that. Uh, so I think it should be like, okay, look, we reviewed it and, and you kicked him. You didn't, you weren't flying through the air out of control and landed on him in the groin. You kicked him. And that's, that's unforgivable. That's, that can really hurt somebody physically permanently, uh, whether it was intentional or not. And in my opinion, that was intentional, but as far as, Suspending him for the next game, I think that is too extreme of a punishment for one play, especially because Stephen Adams recovered. He wasn't permanently injured, or so we know that we know of at this point. Um, and again, it was unintentional. I don't think it was completely flagrant and intentional, but I also don't believe that it was uh, again something he could not have stopped. I think he could have stopped with his leg swinging and, and realized, uh-oh, I'm about to kick him in the groin and stopped it. He didn't stop it. So zealous, yes. Intentionally trying to injure somebody, nah, I didn't see that. Other than, I know I sound like I'm contradicting myself a little bit, but he, it was something he could have stopped but decided not to, and I think he got lucky that he didn't permanently injure uh, my son. <laughs> well, according to reports, <laughs> your son does have uh, a, a bruise, bruised testicles. So you know that, that's according to reports, and he's trying. I guess the other the other day they were working on some type of uh, uh, something, they, some kind of protection for that particular area. That's 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 rough, man. That's 
That's some rough stuff there. So uh, let me ask you this. Let's go to the East real quick. You have the, the, the Cavaliers the other night. They dominate the Raptors in game six. I mean, game five, excuse me. Now they go back to Toronto in game six. Is it safe to say at this point that the Cavaliers are on their way to the NBA Finals? Yeah, it's. I think so. Look, the the big Russian kid, and I don't want to murder his name, so I don't want to say it the wrong way. But the the, the Raptors missed him. I, if he's healthy and playing, yeah, that's it. Uh, every, if if he's playing every game of this series, I don't even think. I don't think it's game six. I think it's over in in five, because. Okay. He's he's somebody that most players can't handle, and no one on the Cavs can. No one on the Cavs can handle him. I watched him a couple of times, not a whole bunch of times this year, but I watched him a couple of times this year, and there's nobody on the Cavs roster that could that could hold him and slow him down. He would have absolutely been the difference maker in this series, and he, you would have seen the Toronto Raptors in the finals uh, had he been healthy. Really? So you you think I, I have no? Go ahead. No, that's it. Yes, I absolutely believe it. I absolutely think that it's not even a, a, a it's not even a, a seven game series. I think he's that much of a difference maker for the Raptors, uh, and especially against the Cavs uh, more than other teams. So uh, it's just it's unfortunate that injuries can do that, but that's part of the game. Uh, unfortunately, uh, sometimes you're 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 going into that, that stretch and you're ready to with all the guns blazing, and all of a sudden. Somebody gets a wheel that's uh, that's not working right, or it's falling off, and then you're doing what the Warriors are doing. You're spinning out of control. Now, even with the play of Biombo, we seen Biombo, we saw Biombo, you know, with the rebounds, the shot blocking, and, and everything that he brings to the table. Uh, he's bringing a ton. He's bringing a ton to the table. But Big Fella just he he his presence is ridiculous. He's one of those guys. I really do believe he's going to be one of the premier players in the NBA very quickly. You know, and he already is, in my opinion. But there's so few big guys left that can change the outcome of a game just because they're there. Now, okay. I'm not saying, like, I'm bringing it back to my time period. I'm bringing it back to guys that you may not have heard much about or may not have a whole lot of respect for. But a guy like Greg Ostertag, for example, I played against him and with him in college, and then I played against him in the NBA. Um, but he's, his presence was just enough that it could change the outcome of a game because he was so long, he could block almost any shot. He had amazing timing. I'm talking about Greg Ostertag here. And he didn't want to play all the time. He was a very low-motivation guy. But when he mm-hmm. wanted to play, Greg could do pretty much whatever he wanted to do and completely change the outcome of a, of a, of a game and, by the way, the playoffs because he got his big deal because he got in the playoffs one time, and I believe it was against the, the Chicago Bulls, and, and just kicked butt and, and dominated uh, and for one series, changed the outcome of the series for the Jazz, and it was because of Greg Ostertag. So that's the kind of guy I'm talking about uh, that, that you're going, okay, may not remember him in the, in the annals of the NBA uh, history, but there are certain players – that given the right circumstances, the right situation, can absolutely change the outcome of the series. And I'm telling you right now, it's that big kid from Toronto right now with this Cavs series. If he's in this series, there's no one on the Cavs that can hold him. You said it. That's another guy. I don't want to mispronounce his name. But Bimbino is is getting numbers. He absolutely is getting numbers. That is true. But he's not 
affecting the Cavs. The Cavs are absorbing those numbers, and, and so his numbers are kind of being inconsequential because the Cavs are still dominating the series. So the big fella, though, he, he might not even get those numbers but affect the series in a much greater way just because he's out there, just because of the threat of him being there and all of his talents and all the things he can do. Uh, there are players like that, and I love watching them. I love it when they, they, they find their niche or that series or that game uh, that they can do that. <clears throat> and in my opinion, he's the, he's the biggest reason why the Cavaliers will be in the finals this year. We're talking to former NBA player Scott Powell. And Scott, Survivor 32, you got the boot, man. How to feel when you got the boot? What did that feel like? Uh, you know, it's, it's a bad feeling. If, you, if you've ever been in a bad relationship where one of you uh, was, you know, committed infidelity and, and in my past life, I, I've been one of those guys that uh, both committed it and it was committed against me. Um, and it's a bad feeling, you know, it, you, you're, you're going, all right, things are good. We're going to work this out. Everything's fine. And then it happens and you just kind of sink, your heart sinks in your chest. And that's how it felt with Ty. I thought we were good, you know, in my head. And I, I, I didn't vocalize all this because I didn't want to stomp out like a, uh, you know, like a scorned lover or, or whatever. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm thinking all this in my head. I'm going, oh, baby, come on. We had this. We had a wonderful thing going, you know. <laughs> I, I, I did so much for this relationship. And I thought we had trust. I thought we had love and respect. And, and then you go and do this to me. Oh, Ty. <laughs> and so I thought it was it was a, it was a harsh feeling. I'm making fun of it now because I can. It was a game. Ultimately, it didn't didn't break my life. Um, but it was it was it was something where I was thinking, oh man, this is this is a good thing. You know, Ty and I's relationship is a good thing. Jason and I's relationship was a good thing, and we can we can really make this game happen the way we want it to. And, you know, Ty decided he didn't want to have it, have it happen this way. So he decided to take his own path, and uh, you know, he got to the final three, and it worked for him to get that far. But uh, he got zero votes in the, in the final, so I, I don't think anybody really respected uh, his strategic moves. And I'm, I'm one of them, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't that move that made me not vote for Ty. I still like Ty. I've hung out with him post-game. He's a great dude. But it wasn't that that made me not vote for him in the, in the jury. It was that... He got weaker as the game went on, and his his strategy, his strategy just didn't seem to make any sense. He wasted his advantage, and he never used his idol. Uh, so it's like, okay, you've given these gifts in the game, and you didn't even use them. So that, his strategy just didn't make sense to me. That's why I didn't vote for him. So now, what's next for Scott Pollard? Well, uh, there's always something. I've got a few charitable events coming up. Um, one is uh, I'm just doing a, like a, a Skype call for one that I can't make it to physically in Cincinnati. Uh, it has to do with the reality TV stars and, and uh, the juvenile diabetes. Um, and so I'm doing a Skype call to raise money for that. Uh, that's coming up here. If you go to my Twitter page, Scott Pollard 31, uh, I'll be tweeting more about that. Uh, but um, I've got another one. I'm going to Kansas for uh, the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic, which is always – an amazing event that it really actually helps people. Uh, the, all of the money goes to help people. It's not like uh, I could name a few big ones that you see on TV uh, that they're very well known. And and uh, you when you do the book, the numbers on them and you, you look into their books, it's disgusting. 
that they take in probably about 30 percent uh, of the money they take in goes to actually what you think it's going to and the rest of it's for you know corporate retreats and parties and celebrity endorsements and all that kind of stuff it's like okay if you could even get it to 60 percent that that would make me feel better but when you're when you deal with some of these companies and and you look into it so I do that. I make sure that when I'm involved in a charitable organization, as far as I can tell, as far as I know, when I put my name on something or that I'm going to be, uh, uh, you know, helping out with a, an organization, I make sure that at least 70 to 80 percent, if not all of it, goes towards the people that you're trying to help. And the, the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic is one of those. And uh, <clears throat> to my knowledge, the, the juvenile diabetes uh, diabetes. Uh, uh, event that's going on in Cincinnati. I've, I've looked into it a little bit, and I've talked to some friends that are involved with the, the Juvenile Diabetes Association that, that's sponsoring this one, and they're at the 70 to 80 percent route, and uh, it might even be higher. They just didn't want to shoot me at the wrong number. Uh, uh, plus, I've got a movie coming out. Uh, I, 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 uh, I didn't write the screenplay, but the screenplay was written from my stories uh, by my friend Kevin Wilmot, who uh, he just released Chirac, uh, or Chirac, however you, however you say it, depends on where you are in the country, how, how you say it. Uh, with a, it was a Spike Lee movie. Uh, it was about Chicago, and, and he wrote this uh, the screenplay shoot about a decade ago, and Spike finally got around to making the movie. Uh, and he's had a couple movies in Sundance. Kevin has, my friend. and So he directed my movie. It's called The Association. We're, we're bringing that out to festivals this fall. Hopefully we'll get into some, some big festivals. And if not, then we'll start releasing it in some of the cities that I played in and lived in. Uh, and, but it's called The Association, and I'll keep pumping it on my social media as soon as I know what's going on with it. But we had to put it on hold because of Survivor. Uh, so that one, actually, we wrapped it about two years ago, and then I just had to put it on hold because we had to wait till Survivor was over so we could release it. But um, things are uh, things are always busy in the Pollard household, so that's just a few of the things we got going. Plus, you know, I had a baby just recently. We got a month old. Okay, so. congrats. <laughs> Number right. four. So I'm always busy. So let me ask you this. I mean, do you have a story? I mean, can you give us a can you give us a good story, man? A, a good story that you know that, that during your playing days, you got something good, something funny, something interesting, something <laughs> controversial. I mean, what do you got? <laughs> There's, there, I've got a lot of controversial stories. I've got a lot of stories that, um, that originally I was going to write a book uh, and. I realized very quickly after talking with a ghost author that I can't write a book because I love too many of my former teammates and friends uh, and that, that I wouldn't want anybody's family life to be hurt by me telling the, yeah. the, the truth about some of the stories that, that, uh, that we have as, as friends and as teammates. And so that's what really why I wanted to, to make a TV show, kind of like Entourage is for Mark okay. Wahlberg. You know, I wanted to be able to make a TV show that's uh, like on a cable channel that I can tell the real stories and nobody really gets hurt because it's uh, it's entertainment, it's fiction supposedly, but I can tell the real stories in a, in a TV uh, setting uh, and, and nobody nobody's family life gets hurt and nobody's uh, being questioned by their significant others or, or their kids or anything like that, and myself included uh, because okay. uh, you know I'm, a, I'm on my second marriage and, and I know that I don't want to hurt my first wife even. Uh, any anymore uh, by by telling any more of these stories that could be potentially embarrassing to her or my children, the children we share together. Uh, you know, and, and, a, and a book is like that. A book is true. A book is print, and you can't take that back. <laughs> okay. All right. So let me ask you this, Scott. 
first thing, before we get out of here, first thing that comes to mind when I say game six of the 2002 Western Conference Finals. Pain. Oh, man. Oh. Yeah, that, that one hurt. That was rough. So many things have been said about it. So many things have been talked about, and I've done a lot of talking about it. But, you know, the, the all of the minutia that's involved with whether you believe it was fixed or whether you believe it wasn't or whatever – doesn't really matter what matters is we had game seven at home and we screwed the pooch we we did not close it out i don't i i I, that game hurts the whole series hurts because we were the better team that's one of the ones i was alluding to earlier we had the best record league we showed it night in and night out we dominated everybody we faced um and and we deserve to be nba champions that year but we didn't make it because we had game seven at home to to make everything right in the world and we didn't. We couldn't make a three-point shot. We couldn't make inside shots. We missed free throws. Um, and, and, I mean, as a team, we were not very good. I was – it sucks to hear me say this, but actually I had one of my better playoff games in that game, game seven, and I hardly played okay. in the fourth quarter because we were trying to come back. Uh, but, you know, obviously me playing well didn't make us win. Our team needed to play well, and I gladly would have taken a horrible, horrible game and have our team – play great and, and win the game uh, more than I, you know, so I, I, I don't take any solace in me personally having a pretty good game because it was, it was a bad game for our team and we lost. So uh, yeah, that's, it hurts more. People say game six and I say, well, game seven hurt more because we had a chance to win that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so let, let me ask you this. I mean, do you think it was a fix on some level? I mean, you can make the arguments. I, I, it's not for me to say. I, I, I played in it. There was a lot of weird calls. But you know what? The referees are part of the game. I'm never going to be one of those guys that blames referees for a loss because I've never been and I never will be one of those guys that goes after a win to the podium and says, you know what? We, we, we should have lost this game today. But those referees really came in handy for us. They were, they were great. I got, we, owe, we owe this win to them. So if you're not going to sit up there and say that, then you can't sit up there and say, well, we would have won this game, but the referees made bad calls. The, the, ba- the bottom line is, even if it's one call at the end of the game that determines the outcome of the game, it's still, you're going, hey, look, uh, the referees are part of the game. You know it. And if you're that much better than that team, one call shouldn't have made the difference. And one call, even at the end of the game in a crucial time, you should have been up 10 points. And that's how I look at it, and that's how I always will look at it. So uh, no matter what you think about game six, we should have been in a better. We should have been better. We should have been better than than if if the referees were against us. We should have been better than them too because they're part of the game. So that's the beginning and the end of it. All right. So fans, make sure you support this man, Scott Pollard. Go to his Twitter page at Scott Pollard thirty one. Find out all the great things going on with Scott Pollard. Scott, absolute pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do it again. I would love to. Anytime, man. Thanks a lot for having me on. Scott Pollard, former NBA player, turned survivor, didn't win, but he was on Survivor. Pleasure talking to him. I want to thank Scott Pollard for stopping by. Also want to thank Mo Ager for stopping by. You can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com, slash began where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Hit us up on Twitter at go for again Like us on Facebook at go for again And, uh, Anything else, listen to this show and other great shows.
blogtalkradio.com slash pecan. For everybody here, go for it. Enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. See you later. Take care. <laughs>